0: All right, Um, so today I get to uh, talk about something that our culture doesn't like to talk about. Our culture uh, does not like to talk about death, right? It has this saying that says, you know, two guarantees in life, right? Death and taxes. And we talk about taxes all the time. And by the way, don't talk about taxes unless you go vote on Tuesday. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Um, But we don't want to talk about death. Our culture does not like talking about death. Now, there is a new rise kind of in our culture that is kind of celebrating death and actually trying to desensitize us from death, but I won't get into that right now because generally, our idea and our perspective is that death is kind of like one of those unkind of touchables, the things you just don't really want to talk about. Now, not death in theory, but death about like personally, like talking about my death, talking about, you know, that day (laughs) when I will breathe my last breath. And and it's amazing because I've found that even like people that are on death's door, those who are, you know, starting to realize that they've got some kind of uh, sickness that is definitely going to be taking their life, it's like, oh, nobody wants to talk about it. Like, you know, you get together with a person, you don't ask them the question, so what do you uh, think about dying? that's rude, right? You wouldn't talk about that. No, no, we're always going to talk about, you know, oh, it's going to just keep going. You're just going to survive forever, right? And it's this kind of weird thing in our culture that, that, that keeps, like, death, like, out there. We don't, we don't want it to be too close to us. But I think, you know, we as Christians, and I think we're better at this, but many of us Christians get, get kind of co-opted into that as well. And, and we as Christians who have like this amazing truth about our Savior and Lord who died for us so that it just totally changes death's perspective, we've got that, but yet, yet, yet we still are afraid to talk about it or feel like it's like rude to bring it up. We've got to let go of that. We've got to let go of this culture's perspective that death is, an un, you know, is unmentionable. like we, we can't go there. We have to recognize that, you know, it's, I, I, I was thought of this the other day, you know, as I was preparing this message, it's like, you know, uh, the, the whole like sexual revolution, right? You know, for a long time, for decades, maybe hundreds, of years, I don't know how long, but, but the church, like the, the word sex, like you couldn't say that in church. Like that would be totally like wrong, and, and everyone would gasp, I can't believe that he said sex in church. Now, some of you have been around for a while, realize I said that one time, like accidentally, it is like a faux pas thing. Anyway, it was really embarrassing as one of the great moments in pastoral history. Uh, but anyway, um, <laughs> but you know, for a long time, you couldn't, you couldn't say, you wouldn't talk about sex at all. And and what happened is the sexual revolution comes along. And all of a sudden, the the world is talking all about sex, but the church is silent on it. And they won't say anything about it. And so what happens with the silence from the church is that our kids grew up only hearing the world's perspective on sex. And it destroyed our ethic destroyed our ethic on we our kids didn't know what the biblical what the bible said about sex. Now we have figured it out and we are doing a much better job about having the talk with our kids. And that's a great thing. The church is beginning to speak about that. Things like uh, even pornography, like we we're, we're talking about. That's great. But death is actually another one of these issues. That right now, again, like I said, the culture is beginning to change and beginning to celebrate death, but the church is still being silent on it. And we can't do this anymore. We cannot allow the world to define what death is. We have the truth. The truth about death, why it exists, what are the consequences, what happens after it, all of that, we've got the answers. But if we are silent, the world will inform our children and for generations to come what death is. And death will be something that will cause more and more suicides in our world because it's celebrated, it's seen as the great thing to do, it's as escape, It's what, and, and, and there'll be euthanasia like you wouldn't believe, not just of people who are aging, but people who are, you know, just disabled maybe, or just their life isn't great and so they don't like it anymore and so they're just stepping out. Church, we cannot be silent about death. And so today I'm going to force you to talk about death. And and we're not just going to talk about the sweet pieces of eternity. I think the conversations about death that we need to have are not just about what's coming but what it takes to get there. And there's this reality of our fear of death, not of dying, but of that process of death that I think we need to talk about as well. And so this morning my prayer is that as I force you into this conversation, a little bit one-sided right now, about death, that, that you will have the courage That he will give you the courage to open up your heart. To to really think about this. And and I'm not even, we're going to talk about other people's deaths, but we need to talk about our own death as well. And so that we would have the courage to open up our hearts and our minds to consider our own death. And that as we do that, that the Holy Spirit would also give us great comfort and hope and dare I even say joy. Genesis. We're in uh, the last couple of uh, messages on Genesis. So today... Uh, is the second to last. Next week will be our last one. And so, as we kind of conclude the book of Genesis, I'm this week and next week. I'm actually going to kind of do a little bit of. We're going to take a couple of these themes and work our way through Genesis a little bit. And and but this is also relevant in the in the passage where we're at. We're going to read 40, chapter 49, the last part of 49, and into a little bit of 50, uh, where uh, Jacob's death is recorded. So let me read for you. Uh, so we're starting with 49 verse 28. All these are the 12 tribes of Israel. This is what their father said to them as he blessed them, blessing each with the blessing suitable to him. Then he commanded them and said to them, I am to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron and the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah to the east of Mamre, In the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with uh, with a burying place for—I can do this. Abraham bought with the field from Ephron the Hittite to possess as a burying place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah his wife. And there I buried Leah. The field and the cave that is in it were bought from the Hittites. When Jacob finished commanding his sons, he drew up his feet into the bed and breathed his last. was gathered to his people then joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him and joseph commanded his servants the physicians to embalm his father so the physicians embalmed israel 40 days were required for it for that is how many are required for embalming and the egyptians wept for him 70 days And when the days of weeping for him were past, Joseph spoke to the household of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found favor in your eyes, please speak in the ears of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, I am about to die. In my tomb that I hewed out for myself in the land of Canaan, there shall you bury me. Now, therefore, let me please go up and bury my father, then I will return. And Pharaoh uh, answered, go up and bury your father as he made you swear. So Joseph went up to bury his father. With him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders and his household, and all the elders of the land of Egypt, as well as all the household of Joseph, his brothers and his father's household. "...only their children, their flocks and their herds, were left in the land of Goshen. And there, went, and there went up with him both chariots and horsemen. It was a very great company. When they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond the Jordan, they lamented there with a, great, with a very great and grievous lamentation. And he made a mourning for his father seven days." When the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning on the threshing floor of Atad, they said, This is a grievous mourning by the Egyptians. Therefore the place was named Abel Mizraim. It is beyond the Jordan. Thus his sons did for him as he has commanded them. For his sons carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the field at Mepela to the east of Mamre, with Abraham brought from the field, from Ephron the Hittite, to possess as a burying place. After he buried his father, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had gone up with him to bury his father. We see in this passage not just the death of Jacob, but all that went with it. It's interesting, in the first uh, uh, 22 chapters of Genesis, death is kind of just... Uh, it's just kind of almost, it's almost like a second, you know, an afterthought. It, it, there is no attention paid to death other than to give the small statement, and he died. That's it. Like before chapter 23 of Genesis, every other death recorded is just simply, and he died. And he died, and he died, and he died, and he died. That was it. There was nothing else. But in Genesis 23, at the death of Sarah is the first time we see in recorded history, uh, biblical history at least, we see actual mourning happened as Abraham mourns over Sarah's death. Of course, we see here at the end of Genesis with Jacob's death, his his sons and his family and even the Egyptians and the authorities mourning over the death of Jacob. And so we see in Genesis this first reality, that with death, there is mourning. With death, it is appropriate for us to mourn. You know, again, our culture is pushing against mourning right now. And, and even in a, this has infiltrated the church as well, where it's like, you know, just get over it. Just kind of move on. You know, be strong. You know, you lose a family member. You lose a friend. You, know, you, can, you can cry for a little bit, but then come on, let's you know, kind of move on this, this push to kind of be strong and not mourn. But 70 days they mourned. And then they did a procession where they, I'm sure, were mourning the whole way. Once they got there, they buried Jacob. They mourned for another seven days. There, you know, there's months of mourning that are going on. Now, I'm not saying that we necessarily need to mourn for months, but we must allow ourselves to mourn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Scripture teaches that death is something that is sad, and it's something that deserves encourages us to actually mourn. I've been reading uh, recently a, a book by Eugene Peterson. Peterson, I've read it a couple of times reading it for a third time. Why not? It's fun. Anyway, Eugene Peterson, uh, the book is Five Smooth Stones uh, for pastoral leadership. In that, one of, those cha- one of the chapters, he talks about lamentations. Again, a book that we as Christians in America, we don't like to read Lamentations. Because why? Because it's about lamenting. It's about death. It's about mourning. It's about bad things like this. But I love what Eugene says, and I don't have a quote necessarily to kind of summarize it. I'll just speak it out here. But but he says that, you know, the great thing about Lamentations is that it encourages us to lament, to mourn. But it also is not a book that goes on forever. It has an end. And so there is an end to mourning. We need to allow it, but we need to also recognize there's an end to it. We see uh, uh, in Genesis chapter 35, verse 20. I think we have it on on the screen here. We see Rachel's death. Another aspect of death is mentioned here in Genesis. And Jacob sets up a pillar over Rachel's tomb. It is a pillar of Rachel's tomb, which is there to this day. And so we see kind of the the headstone, the idea of that. This is, again, the first recording in Genesis and biblical history of of a headstone. And so we see that even this memorial, this commemoration of death, to to create something that, that marks the sacred place where our loved one is buried, but also maybe honors them with a word of encouragement or a word about their life, is something that is fitting in death. It's not required, It's, you know, I would be cautious if you feel like, oh, we got to make sure we, No, 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 it's, it's okay if we don't. But I think there's an example here again, that death, there's something in it that's, that's worth commemorating the person to remember their life, to, to, to go, oh my gosh, yeah, this was a significant person in my life and not just to ignore it, not to ignore them, not to ignore the life and the impact they had on us. This is further addressed, I think, with Jacob as well and this grand processional to have a memorial service, to have a funeral. I, I think it's fitting. I think Genesis gives us this reality about death that it is sad and it is worth mourning, but it's also worth gathering together with family and friends and remembering the one who is now gone. Now, I want to give a little bit of a caution here. There's a movement in our culture, and even, especially maybe even in our church culture, to, uh, to not have funerals, not have memorials, but to have celebrations of life. Now, that in itself is not wrong, but I think we need to be cautioned. We, we need to be careful with a celebration of life service. Because if a celebration of life service pushes out mourning, then it's not, I think, appropriate. We need to celebrate life, and we do, as Christians especially, celebrate the realities of life and eternal life. But we also need to make sure we leave room for mourning. The reality is we cannot move past the death and the loss of those in our family and friends if we don't mourn. It will continue to haunt us and direct us and impact us and change us and work in us that sadness unless we can actually get it out, that we would actually mourn the loss. Finally, in Genesis, the uh, last piece I want to kind of point out in Genesis, there's this amazing phrase in Genesis 25:8 is the first time we see it with the death of Abraham. Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man full of years. And was gathered to his people. This gathered to his people peace. We see it over and over again through Genesis of Abraham and Isaac. And I read it even in Genesis uh, chapter 49 at the end there that even uh, Jacob is gathered to his people. This is an important piece that we even see back at the beginning of time. Like community uh, is, is happening here in Genesis. We see that even then they had a perception of death that it was not the end that Abraham was being gathered to his people his people who those who had gone before him who had died before him he was being gathered to them there it gives this vision of death where there is some kind of next step that death isn't the end but there's actually some kind of reunion that happens of all those who have died before us what a great joy that is but also amazing to see that in genesis not In the New Testament. In the New Testament, we expect it, right? We got Jesus, we got his death, his resurrection, all that kind of stuff, right? We have that hope. But in the Old Testament, even in Genesis, we see this reality. Now, next, I want to kind of broaden our perspective of of death by looking at what it says in the New Testament as well. In the New Testament, we see a a kind of further developing of some of the stuff that we've already learned in Genesis. First of all, the New Testament very clearly lays out this reality that death is a consequence of sin. Uh, Genesis 3, of course, points to this, the fall, right? And Adam and Eve are kicked out, you know, and you know, they were even told, you know, don't eat of this tree or you will die, right? You know, in this reality, right? But it is very clearly uh, communicated in, in Romans 6.23 in the New Testament, where it says, for the wages of sin is death, Right? And we got that extra part on the end. That's really fun, but we're not going to go there yet. So, yeah, so this reality that, the de- that death is a consequence of sin. Death is not just a natural condition in the sense that, oh, it's just part you know, of this world. No, no, no. Death is here uh, because sin is here. Like if there had been no sin, there would be no death. But because sin came into the world because of Adam and Eve, we have this reality of sin and death now in our world. In Romans 5.18, we even see uh, uh, Paul uh, laying out this reality that, and I don't have that passage up there, so you don't have to put that one. Anyway, Romans 5.18, about how, you know, because of one man's sin, all, right? are condemned, all are going to die, right? But of course, then it goes on to talk about Jesus because of one man's righteousness, we all can be saved as well. So, so death uh, and as, a, uh, as a, the consequence of death is laid out more fully in the New Testament, but also we get a further development of this gathering to our people piece that we see in Genesis in the New Testament, the afterlife, in Hebrews 9:27 it says that as uh, that just as it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment this reality that the gathering to our people, that there's there's something that happens after, right? You know, when we die, there's a there's a raising from that death to judgment. That we're going to die, yes, physically, but we're also going to be raised to some kind of judgment. And we and the New Testament lays out what that judgment looks like. That's either to we're gonna be raised to judgment to eternal life, or raised to judgment to eternal condemnation. John five, twenty nine and come out those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment eternal judgment and we see this reality further fleshed out in the new testament and we see that life uh, that those who uh, get eternal life they get to enjoy this amazing blessing of an afterlife 1st corinthians 15:42 So it is with the resurrection of the dead, what is sown is perishable, but what is raised is imperishable. This idea that when we die, if we have bowed our knee to Jesus as Lord, we have this hope that our death is not our end, but that we will be raised with an imperishable body that will last for all of time. Great truth. Amen. Amen. And because of that, hallelujah! We have this reality about death. It changes the perspective of death. First Corinthians fifteen fifty-five. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Right, Because death's power was that it kept, kept people there. That was the end. There was no, there's nothing after that. But when we understand that there is something after that, and that something after that can be beautiful and wonderful and powerful and, and eternal, then death no longer has its sting. However, for those who do not bow their knee to Jesus as Lord, there is a condemnation that comes, and they have to look forward to, instead of something beautiful and wonderful, they have to look forward to punishment as outlined in Matthew 25:41, then he will say to those on his left apart from me you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels a sobering reality we must understand if we do not speak about death if we allow the culture to define it we're allowing people to believe something that is a lie and that will send them to that punishment result in them in that punishment we need to speak about death because death is an important topic that if people don't understand the realities of it that there is an afterlife but that afterlife is not something that is all just beautiful that there's a potential, that if you don't know the right one, if you don't have that relationship restored with your father, that you will spend eternity in punishment, separated from all good and all happiness and all beautiful things. Church, we have to speak about death. May we not allow our loved ones and our friends believe lies about their death may we have the courage to ask them what do you believe about death when you die where are you going what's going on now oh man moving on okay sorry i just uh, this is good One other thing that I want to highlight, I think uh, there's this, uh, we understand that death is inevitable. This is what scripture teaches, that 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 it's something that we should mourn. It's a bad thing. It's a sad thing. It's something we need to mourn. It's also the result of sin. And so we need to expect death. We need to prepare for death. We need to accept death and we need to mourn death. But there's more to death that is communicated in, uh, our, in, in Scripture. Because there's this reality that death is not just some future event. It's not just a one-time thing. Actually, we see in, in Scripture this, this perspective that death is actually a state of being. Romans 7, 24. Wretched man that I am, Paul says, who will deliver me from this body of death? There's this perspective in scripture that this life is a life of death. From the moment that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and judgment came upon them, all humanity after that has lived a life of death. Certainly our bodies are decaying and eventually stop working and there's death in that. But there's also the reality of our spiritual death. You know, in the moment, you know, maybe Adam and Eve for a while after they got kicked out of the garden thought, hey, actually, you know, we're not dead. We're still alive. We're still, you know, everything's going okay. No, 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 no. They are in the state of death because spiritually they were dead and their bodies were beginning to de- decay as well and would eventually end that as well. So there's this idea that death is a state, not just a future event. This is an important perspective because when we see Jesus begin talking about salvation, he says that we cross over, and the moment we bow our knee to Jesus as Lord, we cross over from death to life. John 5, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. How will we pass from death to life? We are not dead yet. No, no, we are dead. There's a state of being of death until we bow our knee to Jesus and, and repentance and the Holy Spirit comes, and then we get life. We are born into life. John 11, 25, and 26 has this amazing thing about uh, about um, death as well. Jesus says some strange things. He's he's resu- about to resurrect, uh, uh, oh, Lazarus, thank you, uh, from the dead, right? Thank you. Yeah, you guys are amazing. I, I don't even have to prepare. I just like, yeah, what's what's this verse? you guys got? Anyway, <laughs> Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And he goes on. This is this is crazy. Every who lives and believes in me shall never die do you believe this if we understand that death is just some future event and it's a reality for all humanity then that's that verse doesn't make any sense wait a second god we are going to die but he says "No, no no you will never die how will you never die well when you understand that death is a state of being And the moment we bow our knee to Jesus as Lord, we cross over from death into life. Now, even death is not death. Because that future event that comes is actually a a, a transition. It's a beginning. Our physical death is the death of death. Not the death of life. And we look too often at our future event as being the end of our life. It's not. In some sense, it's the beginning of our life, but our beginning is here. We've already had it because we bowed needed Jesus. So that end of death moment actually frees us from having to continue to wrestle with and struggle with this life of death that we're surrounded by. This is a beautiful and powerful thing. We just leave our Amen. All right, now I want to I want to transition. Is uh, it crazy. This is so good. We we have to. We have to also talk about the reality of dying. And I had I've I've had the privilege of um, being Rebecca Moravec's friend. As you know, she's we'll talk. We have a video. Um, she we're gonna talk. She's been fighting cancer for a couple years and. Um, to her to her credit, she agreed to spend a little bit of time with me and talking about this process of dying. Um, it's 11 minutes, so um, settle in. Rebecca, tell us a little bit of who you are.
1: Well, thank you, Sean, for nagging me to do this because I really want people to know who they're praying for because it feels like that's mostly what people know me as a name and a prayer request for the last few years. I started coming to Trinity Alliance in February of 2016, instantly bonded with the Leopards and the Ericssons And haven't been able to come to Trinity for the last few years very often I live in the virtual church world yeah <laughs> I you know I'm not a shut-in like they used to call people years back I prefer to think of myself as um, bubble wrapped yes um, bubble wrapped from germs and bubble wrapped from stress and and the physical exhaustion and and you name it but because people don't know me well, they need to know that I don't remember a time where I didn't know who Jesus and God were. Mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to be born in a family of multiple generations on both sides of my family that Mm -hmm. were deeply in love with God. And I really didn't know him in a personal relationship way and my own ownership Mm. of salvation until I was um, 16 and in high school, and life was really, really became tough, and Mm. there was nobody left to turn to except God, and so I asked him to give me a reason to live, and he did. Mm. It's amazing because I grew up with an inherited um, anxiety disorder, Mm, a mm -hmm. very severe uh, anxiety disorder as a child. And what we didn't know is that the traumas that came with the death of my mom and Mm. alcoholism of my dad and stepmom and other tragedies that have occurred almost every decade since would complicate my relationship with God.
0: You've been battling cancer for a couple years now, two and a half years or so. Uh, so, where Plastic. are you at in that, and what, Yeah, what's what's happening there?
1: Yeah, I was diagnosed in February of 2020, stage four mm-hmm. ovarian cancer, and um, I had a brief time where I was no evidence of disease. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then when I had a recurrence in June of 2021, I was labeled in my medical records, chronically terminally ill. Yeah. Yeah. And I find it kind of funny because the, the, we've had a lot of conversations, my sister and I, of, well, aren't we all chronically terminally ill the moment we're born? Yeah. And so since June of 2021, it's just been more and more disease progression and Mm -hmm. different battles of choices of drugs to try to beat it. And Mm then um, since June of this year, I've been offered hospice services twice and um, refused it (laughs) twice. (laughs) And um, the first clinical trial that I uh, attempted after that first hospice offer um, has failed. Mm. And um, my disease is progressing, quadruple, tripling in size mm. every couple of months um, and traveling through my lymph system. Mm. So um, they're, you know, they're saying six months or less and I'm saying no. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm kind of in a stage of bargaining with God going, have list. <laughs> I have to finish this list. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's good. So, uh, you know, that's one of the things I'd love for you to share a little bit about is what, you know, has this done to your relationship with with God?
1: Just increased gratitude and thankfulness Hmm. millionfold. I mean, I'm not where I was a year ago, and I'm not where I was two and a half years ago when I was first diagnosed, and yet they're telling me now that I'm dying. Because of cancer, I have had time that I've never had before, because I was so busy being Martha my whole life, and I didn't realize why I was being Martha so much, not because the fact that I was really good at being Martha but also because if as long as I was Martha I didn't have to be Mary and now I've had forced times of being Mary and just nobody there but me and God sitting at his feet Um, and now I'm good at both (laughs) and I'm really really enjoying that because I realized that when you are just with you and God you have to look at yourself and you have to face what you have filled your life so full of that you've had no time to work on and I um love this song um, by Lauren Daigle, You Say because Satan spent my whole life helping me believe the lies that I received through um, dysfunctionally imperfect human beings from society, from my own lies to myself of never feeling like I measured up and never feeling like i was good enough to really be loved and now i i get to experience god through my five senses every day yeah Yeah. so good (laughs) and you know i get to reframe every time those old patterns and habits come back in i imagine Mm -hmm. a picture frame around me and and god's looking at me through that picture Mm -hmm. and i'm Finally seeing myself through his eyes consistently rather than inconsistently. And um, (laughs) my biggest fear when I was diagnosed with cancer is that I wasn't going to have enough time to learn how to live without regret. Mm. And I can say that I have that now. Uh, When and if it ever comes, I will go with peace and no regrets. And I'm
0: really thankful for that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Such a gift, right? Yeah. So, um, speaking of redemption, fighting cancer, battling all that, as you kind of already alluded to, it's a battle. It's difficult. It's hard. There's a lot of things that uh, uh, you make it so it feels sometimes impossible. What's the beautiful pieces that you've seen through this? Like, what, what has God shown you in that?
1: Well, first, you asked me... Um, to think about the beauty of death too. You asked me when, he, and I kind of feel like I'm being forced to think about it. I mean, um, who chooses, Right. you know, who right. chooses this path? Um, and when I think about death, I have to admit that those old fears come back in. Yeah. And so that reframing thing again. Yeah. Um, so right now I'm concentrating on thinking of that i'm going on a a trip it's always been a favorite thing of mine to travel so i have a suitcase and i'm packing my suitcase to take a trip to heaven nice the problem is is there's no there's no real visible tangible Mm. martha list tour guide thing that i can check off and you know i and the reality is, we don't get to take a suitcase to heaven, right? We don't, you know. Yeah. My dad's favorite photo is the U-Haul behind a hearse. <laughs> um, so it's hard for me to uh, start disconnecting mm-hmm. from the things of the world and letting go of um, changes that are happening in my relationships with people. Mm-hmm people withdrawing from me Mm -hmm. when I don't want them to other people showing up Mm. when I don't expect (laughs) them to Um, and um, just trusting that this is going to be the best trip of my life I'll be doing my typical just existing in my own living alone world And all of a sudden, four birds will show up in my backyard and start singing competitive songs. And I think those birds are singing those songs to me. And then, a lot of days now, I'm noticing the wind on my skin. Just the sense of pleasure from the wind on my skin and getting the opportunity to have Enough time, downtime, and and focus to feel the the simple things of, of the wind, yeah. um, knowing that someday God will orchestrate the last breath that I take. Mm-hmm. But for now, I can breathe. Yeah. Whereas yeah. two and a half years ago, I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but you know, it's just all those five senses every day. Enter mm. God's talking to me through those. And he's telling me what it's gonna be like and just little baby glimpses through his creation that heaven's gonna be even greater.
0: Mm -hmm. Worship team, why don't you go ahead and come up too um beautiful huh yeah, yeah. may we learn to talk about death the reality is is that process of dying there's there's fear in that many of us i think that's for, especially for Christians, that's the biggest fear. <laughs> it's not about the actual dying. And some of us actually, you know, kind of like Paul, we're excited, you know, hey, death, there's gain, right? There's, I get eternity, right? We can get past this, but, but it's that process. But the amazing reality of scripture is that Jesus is with us in that as well. That's the thing that Rebecca is communicating, expressing. She's not alone, even though she feels people are pulling from her. Jesus is still with her. And I love Luke 20, 22, 20, 22, 44 where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane before he goes to his death. And he's, he's processing death. He's on the doorstep of death. And there's this struggle that's going on inside of him, so much so that he is sweating drops of blood. If, it's okay for us to kind of stress about death but understand that Jesus is with you. And that's the powerful thing. As we said, as uh, Laura read at the beginning, Romans 8, like who is going to separate us from the love of God? Not even death. And so he is with us in death. He's walked death's path. He knows what it's like, and he is with us. However, there's this reality that for the unrepentant. The fear is not just a moment but it's a fear for all eternity. And I would be wrong to, to preach on death and not at least address some in this room that may not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Some in this room that may be filled with terror over death because you don't know what's happening after it. There's a doubt on where you're going to end up. And maybe now it's the first time you've ever heard these verses that talk about judgment and condemnation and a fire of death, a, fire, a, fire, a lake of fire. And if that's you, I just want you to know that you do not have to fear death in that way. You can have hope that when that moment does finally come, it is not a death of your life. It's a death of death and you get to enter into eternal life for all time. And it simply just takes you bowing your knee to Jesus as Lord, repenting of your sins, proclaiming his lordship, accepting his death and burial and resurrection on your behalf, and then committing to live your life every day for him. As we move into communion, uh, Romans eight sixteen and 17. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children than heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And it has this little next little piece that I think is so important. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. I think the reality of uh, death is that if we choose to be with Jesus in his suffering and death then he will be with us in our suffering and death. As we come to communion this morning, may we come to join Jesus in his death, remembering what he suffered for us so that as we continue our life and someday that moment of death does come, we can trust that he will be with us through it all. Amen. So uh, Mike is going to be at this table. I'll be over here at this table. Again, you can come forward, receive the elements, take them when you get to your seat when you're ready to. Uh, please come on the outside aisles, return to your seat through the middle aisle. Uh, we also have, uh, if you don't want to come forward, we have in that corner, I think over there, we have some yeah, prepackaged union elements you can grab as well. So come forward and join Jesus in his death. Thessalonians, Thessalonians 4, 13, to the end of the chapter. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep for the lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command with the voice of an archangel with the sound of trumpet of god and the dead in christ will rise first then we are alive who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the lord in the air and so we will always be with the lord therefore encourage one another with these words in jesus name amen and hallelujah if you'd like prayer please come forward we'd love to pray for you god bless and have a great day